Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or app store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome back to another episode of Cutting the Distance. On this episode, I'm just going to run through the gear I've used now that season's kind of wrapped up. My Oregon archery elk hunt, my Western Washington muzzleloader elk hunt, the Montana rifle hunt for deer, as well as my Kansas archery whitetail hunt. Uh, there's going to be a lot of overlap between the gear I used on a lot of these, but I'll go into the specifics on you know what I used that was different from hunt to hunt, kind of what my layering system looked like, maybe what my meals looked like on these. I'm not going to have a guest on this episode, just going to be me kind of rattling off uh, the gear that I used, how it performed, and then maybe any changes I'm going to make. So we kind of cover it all from archery elk out west all the way back to uh, an eastern whitetail hunt where your gear, clothing, all of that changes uh, drastically. But like every episode of Cutting the Distance, I'm going to start off with a few questions. I went to the Phelps Game Calls um, messages that we've got and uh, pulled these out of them. But if you have any questions for me or my guests, feel free to email them to us at ctd at phelpsgamecalls.com or like where we got these questions from, uh, hit us up with uh, some social media messages and we'll do our best to get them in. So my first question uh, was from Steve Barker and his, he's asking about broadheads for lower poundages. He mentions that his wife and daughter both shoot 40 to 45 pounds and for whitetails, they've shot lighter 75 to 85 grain heads with great success. And he's asking, what would you recommend on elk? So I want to kind of start off with shot placement, you know, very cliche, but shot placement is, is ultimate and you need to, uh, you know, have an arrow that if you're going to go up and wait, you need to make sure, you know, you got your, your, the right arrow, the right spine on that arrow to make sure it works. So a lot of times I ask, I would ask you like, does their 75 to 85 grain head, does it meet all the legal requirements for that Western state or the, it may not even be a Western state, but the state that you're going to hunt elk in. 
Um, if they meet all of those and they shoot them very well, I would say maybe continue um, to shoot those. Or if you're one of those on the fence about mechanical versus um, fixed blades, um, stay with the same weight, but maybe switch to a fixed blade head as long as it meets the minimum cutting diameter and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of continuing to use what works. Um, yeah, If you're starting from scratch, uh, some things I would consider um, – on elk, regardless of whether you're shooting a, a big setup like me, um, you know, and, and my big setup comes mainly from having long arms and, and uh, you know, full length arrows. But I would look at like a cut on contact head. Um, I'm currently using Iron Wheels standards. Um, I like um, the the design of them. I like you know the the tonneau point. I like how sharp they are. Uh, I like how they fly, how they spin. But also, if you maybe don't want to go spend as much on iron wheels, uh, in the past, I've had some great success with Slick Tricks Viper Trick. It's also a cut on contact. Um, that blade is is you know in the elk before the ferrule ever is. It's already cutting tissue, um, and it's got less resistance you know to some of these non cut on contact heads. In my opinion, um, you know chisel trips, chisel tips. They talk about breaking bone and stuff better. Um, I'm from from what I've seen. Um, I'm just going to stick to cut on contact um, and, and then get good penetration. Um, and to get good penetration, uh, I'm also going to lean towards a smaller cutting diameter. Um, I'm going to look for, you know, I still shoot, as I mentioned, the S100, which is the standard iron wheel. Uh, I may be wrong, but it's either one inch or one and sixteenth inch cutting diameter, very small. And what I really want when I shoot a bull um, it, it, at any angle is a hole in and a hole out. I want that arrow to drive through as deep as I can and ultimately hopefully give me, um, you know, two holes to, to blood trail. So um, I've hunted with uh, Kelly Smith, who's my good buddy, Charlie Smith's wife. Um, I've saw her shoot elk and blow right through him. And I believe she's only shooting in the low fifties. Um, so I think you stay away from those heavy front leg bones, heavy shoulder bones. Um, maybe give yourself a little more room for air behind that front leg and, and make sure you're still hitting square in the lungs. Don't risk it. Um, a 40 to 45 pound setup should be fine. Um, you know, shot placement's important, but with that cut on contact, small cutting diameter um, should, should be the trick. Jumping into the next question from Stephen Adney. Um, he's asking about overnight trips and what size pack he needs to, you know, he needs in order to stay out for three to five nights at a time. So Steve, you're going to probably get a whole bunch of answers, um, from a whole bunch of different people. You know, they're the minimalists that try to pack, you know, I'm not bringing any extra change of socks, underwear, clothes. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have a sleeping bag and I'm going to put a piece of Tyvek over me and that's going to be their sleeping arrangement. So it really depends on how, how comfortable you want to be, how many luxuries you want to pack along, what your food looks like. But I've always been of of the, the idea, I want as big a pack as possible. And, and it's not so much for what I'm going to pack in or to, to let me overpack on the way in. But what it does allow me to do is, uh, if I do kill something and want to get my camp back out on that trip, um, I've got additional room without having to daisy chain all of my camp supplies, um, on the, on the outside of my pack. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hunting with a, uh, a pack that's anywhere from 6,500 to 7,500 cubic inches. And people may say, well, that's huge. I have yet to see my pack not compressed down to, to 2,000 cubic inch packs. And that's, you know, for a couple extra ounces of material, um, it gives me the ability to, to blow that pack way up. Um, you know, you add the snow collar on and so I can pack my, uh, you know, really, really kind of push my pack up, 
you know, as I need to. Um, I'm more of a, a simple guy, so I have one large compartment. I don't have this thing organized down. If I need to do any additional organization, I'll use different dry sacks um, to, to, to separate things. But for the most part, I'm just a, I stuff into the bottom. So I would say some guys, if you're very, very, um, you know, space conscientious and, and ultra light and really packing the minimum, some guys can get by on a 3,000 you know, cubic inch pack for a three to five night stay. Um, you know, really all your, after you've got your sleeping system in there, uh, and, and it's really just adding additional food at some point, maybe a little bit of additional fuel, maybe a little bit of additional water storage, but that's really all that changes in my overnight kit. My, my base kit, whether it's one day or five days looks the same. I've got some sort of shelter, whether it's a, it's an ultralight, you know, I've, I've been using a, a seek outside, uh, Cuban fiber, um, tent, floorless tent that weighs, you know, under two pounds. If I'm grabbing my Kefaro sawtooth, if it's going to be, you know, with a stove, I'm, I'm able to get it in five pounds. So I've got to put those in there. When I'm spiking out, I'm using a stone glacier, 15 degree bag. So I get that stuffed in there, um, a sleeping pad. Uh, and, and that's really my base. And then from there, it's really just adding on additional food. Um, you know, on, on a longer trip, I may throw in an extra pair of socks, um, extra pair of skivvies, whatever it may be, but um, that's really what my my system is. So you really have to kind of find out for yourself, Steve, on on what you're comfortable with, what you need to have in there. Um, but but I would say anywhere from three thousand. But I would urge people to go a little bit larger. It doesn't take up much extra weight. You you can compress all that extra space. And I'm one for I can save the weight in minimalizing my pockets. I don't need a bunch of pockets on the outside. I don't need a bunch of organization on the inside. As, there, as long as everything can fit in there, um, I'm going to dump all of that when I get to camp anyways and have all kinds of room. Um, you know, I can use some Ziploc bags or whatever to separate other stuff. And that's really my, my simplified system for, for overnight trips. And, you know, we've packed in anywhere from, you know, one night to 10 nights and I'm using that same pack, um, for everything. Um, you know, there, there's, we'll get into it a little bit here as I, as I talk about what pack I use on these hunts and why, but I'm really looking for other things like, um, you know, can the suspension haul the weight comfortably? Um, you know, some of those things, can I get it all in there um, for my pack out? Um, but yeah, anywhere from, you know, some guys can make it even smaller than 3,000, but I would say for the majority, you're going to be at that 3,000 to 3,500 um, cubic inch all the way up um, to the larger, you know, expedition style packs. But uh, uh, yeah, you have just have to kind of test and, and find for yourself. But once again, once again, once again, if you have questions for me or my guests, uh, please email us at ctd at phelpsgamecalls.com or hit us up on social media. Um, send us a social message and we'll do our best to get those on there for myself, Dirk, or any of our guests. So everybody nowadays seems to be doing you know pack dumps or gear dumps. Um, I just really wanted to go through. I used quite a bit of new gear um, this year. Some of the stuff's been old and I just kind of wanted to walk through my four hunts kind of go over the gear I use, kind of start to finish, um, you know, and maybe some things people don't talk about or things that aren't that glorified, um, but but really just kind of go through uh, what we use. So my first hunt of the year was an archery Oregon elk hunt. Um, the unit I was in wasn't really set up to spike out in. Um, there were a few spots to, to spike in there, but I wasn't allowed to film in them. So it didn't make any sense to, to, to you know, spike in or, or set up for those. So this is what I would consider like a, a wall tent base camp. Um, 
I only have a 20 by 16 wall tent, um, which was set up for me and my camera guy. So there was all kinds of room. We did, you know, we weren't worried about grizzly bears or anything like that. Um, so we had our cook system inside that same tent. We had our table inside that tent. Um, all of our gear um, easily fit with our two cots inside that tent. Um, since this hunt was going to take place in the middle of September, um, we elected not to pack the stove, which takes up a bunch of room, and, and, and we would have had to gather firewood and whatnot. We figured with the temps, um, we wouldn't need a wood wood stove. Um, about day five or six, when the temperature started to drop into the, the freezing, we were starting to wish we had a stove. And it's not so much that your, your sleeping bags weren't able to handle it. It was just, you know, it wasn't as fun, you know, sitting around in the, in the wall tent in, in all of your, your puffy coats and whatnot, trying to get ready for, for bed or just to sit up and, and have conversation, you know, uh, about the hunts, that day's hunts or tomorrow's hunts or just conversations in general. Um, what we used to cook on that one. So, you know, a lot of our hunts where we're backpacking, you, know, you see a lot of the, the jet boils or the MSR reactor stoves or whatever little um, system we use with the isobutane. On this one, knowing that we were going to have a base camp, um, we, we grabbed a five-gallon bottle of propane and we just packed along a, a, a two-burner camp chef stove to be used on this hunt. Um, and rather than have to have a bunch of pans and, and cleaning them, we elected to just have the griddle insert. So this is what I use on all of my my trips to the dunes with the family. We do a lot of cooking on this. It's easy. It's simple. Uh, you know, around home we use a blackstone, but you know when we're camping. The camp chef's a little more durable, and I don't care as much about it. Breaks down a little bit easier. So we just throw the camp chef um, in the back of the truck. It's kind of indestructible, always reliable. Um, so yeah, just use that camp chef for all of our cooking. Um, it, it got a little boring. It was a lot of, uh, you know, burgers and hot dogs and, uh, you know, bratwurst. And then we'd go back through burgers. We did have steaks one night and, uh, my camera guy, Dave's brought some brisket for the first night. So we switched it up, but it was a lot of, uh, canned vegetables, um, you know, burgers and, and stuff like that, which was, which was plenty for us. Um, as far as food on a normal hunt, um, on a normal year, I eat a lot of just whatever, you know, uh, you know, the Belvita breakfast bars, um, you know, any of those, uh, you know, nice bars, any kind of just glued together, um, corn syrup type bars, um, seem to kind of fill my pack this year. I went a little bit different direction. I was trying to eat a little bit more healthy, um, try to get a little bit more fat in me and a little bit less, um, quick carbs. So a lot of what I ate this year was, um, a lot of keto nut mixes, um, a lot of bags of, of nuts. We, we brought some uh, like hard Parmesan cheese. Um, there were um, some ultra fat packets. They used to be like F-bomb packets, but now they're like ultra fat packets, which is like a macadamia nut mixed with some with some coconut oil, um, you know, heavy calorie type stuff. A lot of meat sticks. So I bought a lot of um, – there's a Bavarian meats company. They make these little – short lawn Jaegers, like two in a bag. Um, I'd throw one or two of those packages in my pack every day. And then really just kind of really boring um, food selection, but kind of just grinded it through the hunts with just minimal, um, you know, lawn Jaeger, meat sticks, nut, you know, bags of nuts. And then I was eating, um, I, I don't remember the exact brand, but they're like a baked protein bar, uh, you know, like 16 to 30, 30 grams of protein per bar just to it was kind of a little treat throughout the day a little bit you know satisfy that sweet tooth but that was really all i ate through the day 
and then we'd come home and have kind of a big a big meal on the, on the camp chef. So that was kind of my eating, a lot different than what you see a lot of these guys pack or what I've packed in the past where it's, you know, a bag of Sour Patch Kids, gummy worms, you know, whatever you can find and, and get to. Um, really just kind of went a different direction this year and tried to tried to be a little more healthy um, throughout the, the hunt. And um, it, it, I see, I think it kind of kept my energy levels higher and more sustained. Maybe I wasn't as good, you know, on a, on a steep incline or, or a quick run up a mountain, but overall start to finish, I felt a lot better. Uh, we mentioned our cots and sleeping bag in the wall tent. So when I'm in a wall tent, I've got my canvas cutter system. Um, and then I've just got my Kefaro 15 degree synthetic bag kind of stuffed in that. Uh, it's plenty warm on a hunt like this. 15 degrees is, is plenty. Um, it does a good job keeping me warm. Uh, the canvas cutter is outfitted with four inches of memory foam that kind of lays in the bottom. And then I just kind of keep an, an old pillow stuffed in there. Um, a real, you know, I don't even know what it is, a cotton pillow or whatever the heck, you know, your old standard cheap pillows are made out of. And that, that system is, is great. I do, I do have an old school cot. I need to upgrade to get a little bit a uh, bigger one because it seems like I'm touching all four sides of this thing. Uh, but that's just kind of my system. I actually sleep better sometimes on this cotton sleeping bag with the foam system than I do when I get home on my bed. So real comfortable um, and just kind of makes gives me a good night's sleep. Um, as far as when I got to this hunt, you know, what was I going to be shooting this year? You know, in the past, I've been shooting um, some PSE options. Um, this year, I went back. Uh, my good buddy Corey Miller is working for Black Eagle Arrows and Darton. Um, I went to a, a 3D shoot with them in uh, Eastern Montana and uh, talk, got talking with them. And uh, Randy Kitts, the owner of Darton and, and Black Eagle, just a great guy. And uh, we we talked to them and we're like, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and you know, I haven't shot a Darton forever. Uh, I've never shot a Darton, but uh, let me let me see what you guys got. Let's make sure we you know we like them. And um, and uh, so yeah, I, we just kind of to. Try something different. Um, so I ended up shooting a Darton Veracity. I don't know if it's Veracity or Veracity 35. Um, really liked it. Um, it's a little bit heavier than like the PSE 34, Mach 34 that I shot last year, but I held the bow a lot better. Um, lighter is not always better, especially when it comes to, to keeping a bow on target and how much the bow is reacting, at least for me. Um, I felt way more confident in this bow, um, the bow shot where where I wanted it to. And one of the big bonuses, uh, it tuned up very, very easy. Now, it may have been because I had, you know, Henry Bass uh, come to my place and, and get it all tuned up, um, you know, a great archery a great archery shooter. We also kind of knew tuning it into, into where the new arrows were going to be, that there weren't going to be a lot of changes between a broadhead and a, we were shooting them side by side as we got them tuned. So right off the bat, we basically had our bow broadhead tuned as well as um, shooting field points great. Um, we didn't mess with paper, which is something I really liked. We just went straight to shooting broadheads and uh, field points and got them to dial in. Um, I really like that system because when, when I switched from field points to, to broadheads full time, everything was just kind of dialed and, and ready to go. Really, really like that bow. Um, it, like I say, it's a little heavier to pack around, but I will trade a little bit of, you know, in, in the grand scheme of it, what's a, a half a pound, a pound even, um, when I know I draw that bow back and in my mind's at ease because that pin's just kind of sitting where I want. Um, really liked it. Shot great. Um, we'll get to the, the shot on the bull, and, and you can't ask for, for much more than, than that at the end. Um, arrows, I shot uh, Black's e Black Eagle X Impacts. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've got a 32-inch 
draw and it's all of 32 inches if bows would let me go farther i could probably get another half inch if not more out of them so i'm shooting a 250 spine a very stiff arrow and these arrows are full length so i don't cut them um, thankfully the black eagle you know a lot of times the, the imperfections come at the ends uh, thankfully for me the, the black eagle x impacts pretty straight all the way through so we just take a full length shaft get them prepped up and that's what i'm, I'm shooting um we add some weight to the the tip so along with that iron wheel s100 i'm adding some weight to um to the tip on the insert as well as the the i'm gonna get this wrong and hopefully i'm shooting basically a, a half cert um i believe um we we've got basically a hidden system down inside that then attaches um you know to that to that arrow and uh it, it, it's great. I can, if I need to, I don't get too hung up on tuning my broadheads or getting everything to, to match in. Um, but, but that system gives me about 220 grains, I think plus or minus in the front. So I end up shooting about a 570 to 580 grain arrow, um, 32 inches of draw at about 72 and a half pounds. And, um, we're shooting it, you know, mid two eighty. So I'm not one of those guys that just chases, crazy high arrow weights. Um, I build my setup backwards. So I look at the bow's rated speed, um, know where it's going to be. And then I just kind of build my arrow to put me at the mid two eighties. Um, I found mid two eighties keeps my pin, my pin gaps pretty tight. Um, it also makes sure that tuning broadheads isn't too much of a pain in the neck. And so just kind of sat there. Um, my rest on that, that bow was a black gold ascent pro. Um, one thing that I do a little bit different than others is I shoot all green pins. Um, I set up my 20, 30, 40 for an 019 pin, and then I set up my 50-yard pin as an 009. Um, all green. I, some people are like, well, that's confusing. I just It's easy to keep track, and it keeps me honest. I just I have to count you know, 20, 30, 40, and then um, trust me, after a while, it just becomes second nature. You know if you're aiming 30, you're using your second pin and so on. Um, my 50-yard pin's my slider. I don't think I ever slid my sight all year aside from getting my sight tape set. So um, it's there, but I hopefully never have to use it, and I never intend on using it um, unless the situation you know requires it. But uh, for the most part, um, don't like to, to mess with that slider. I use Tight Spot's new um, five-arrow quiver light. It's got the rubber hood with some cutouts on it. And then for a rest, I had the ripcord micro-adjust um, drive cage. And uh, for a stabilizer, I've got like a 10-inch spider with four or five ounces on the end. Um, really kind of settles my bow down for me and balances out pretty nice. So that's really all I've got going on with my bow. We've got the dart and veracity, black eagle arrows, iron wheel broadheads, gold, uh, black gold ascent pro. We've got tight spot, and then we've got ripcord. Um, pretty simple. And for me, as much as I like this bow, my ultimate goal when I get shooting this thing is to have absolute confidence any range that I'm going to shoot an elk that I, that that I'm going to hit that thing within that kill zone, and uh, I haven't been as confident in this in, in one of my setups since I shot my uh, Elite 35, whatever that was, 10 years ago. This is this has had me, you know, very. I guess my Evoke 35 from PSC I was pretty confident in, but um, got really confident in this bow, which is for me is ultimately what matters when I'm out in the field. I know I'm going to make a shot when the shot prevents itself.
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth so what's on my feet um for boots i usually i've had all kinds of issues with boots um over my years i've tried almost every mountain boot and then ultimately settled on crispy brick stalls um we've used they used to have the black which were like a flex level five and then they had like the brown which i believe were like a flex level three brown was non-insulated black had 200 grams insulation well fast forward to 23 um crispy brought out a bunch of new boots around the brick stall series and one that really caught my eye was the brick stall pro gtx so it has a synthetic um a synthetic fiber on the outside, same last, same everything else as the Brickstall, same lace system. But we had a synthetic fiber and we also had the Gore-Tex. And one thing, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, um, but it is a light gray boot. Um, they added 200 grams of insulation to this boot, which for September, August, September hunts, I'm like, I didn't know if I was going to like it, um, but I didn't notice any issues um, throughout the hunt. These boots were dang near perfect. 
Um, we had just a little bit of separation of the rubber ran, but I also wore these boots for 60 plus days in the mountains, you know, all over, um, performed flawlessly. We, we did some, um, did some touch-ups with some Marine goop, um, cleaned them out and, and they're backed as good as new. Everything else on the boot held up great. Um, so I can't complain about, about those, but while I'm giving you recommendations on boots, I also need to caveat this with do not take somebody's recommendations for boots unless it's like maybe on the durability, um, everybody's foot's different. Everybody's got a different last that they build their boots on. Um, even within the same brand, like all oh, the boots won't fit the same. They'll put one on one last one on a different one. Um, so that's take it for durability, but I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and try the crispy brick stalls. But for me, a guy with a lot of foot issues, they worked great. Maybe just as important as the boots, uh, or the socks, what, what you've got on between your, your foot and the, and the boots. Uh, I've, used to be a smart wool guy. I've, I've tried all of these different brands and ultimately ended up on darn tough, um, full cushion, um, socks. They, they have a way tighter, um, you know, weave or a knit or whatever you want to call them. They're tighter. They're more comfortable. They're more durable. Um, I just don't have heel issues, blister hotspot issues with darn toughs on. And so uh, I don't know if it's a crispies. I don't know if it's a darn toughs, but whatever it is, those two are going to go in a combo and I'm going to stick with them. So darn tough full cushions inside the crispy brick stalls, uh, are a money system for me. Um, what's on your back. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier on one of the, the listener questions. Um, I'm still using an old school. I've got a 44 mag from Kafaru and I've got a cavern from Kafaru. Um, which is about a 6,500 cubic inch pack. Um, I no longer carry a big hood. I found that I just end up stuffing it full of too much crap that I don't need. Um, so I just run a Kafaro Cavern, big open um, pack, and, and it works great for me. And what I really like about the Kafaro is I've been using them since 2011. Uh, the suspension has never, ever let me down. Well, I shouldn't say never. I had one issue on my Oregon Bowl in 21 where one of my load lifter um, straps, it broke a buckle. It wasn't anything that I couldn't get taken care of with some 550 paracord, and then Kafaro took care of it right away as soon as I got out. So it's not ideal to have equipment break, but I've also, in whatever it is, a 13 years now, only ever had one issue, and I'm not going to say that it wasn't mine because when you switch packs around and have to reconnect everything, I may have you know messed something up on how I connected that load lifter, but um, been super happy with the Kavaru. Um, you know, my packs squeak free, which is one of the things that I used to drive me nuts about my old packs. Um, and then that one pack, I, I like how it's organized. I've got a spotting scope pocket on the outside. My tripod attaches very easily, um, very quick to get in and out of, and will pack way more than I ever will be able to. Um, another thing that I do when I, when I have meat as well, a lot of people like the, this pack will separate away from the frame. I carry a, a a hundred liter dry bag. And I just drop all of my meat into that dry bag until I get out. Um, unless it's going to be a real long pack out and then I've got to try to figure out how to get some air to it. But, uh, packs worked great for me. Um, as far as clothing on a September hunt, I like to be able to layer and whether it's a, an archery hunt in September, or whether it's a rifle deer hunt in 10 degrees, I like to try to get by on three lay, you know, three layers. I like to have like in September, it's usually going to be the wick against my skin. If, as it gets more uh, colder, we may move into the kiln or even into to some heavier, um, you know, first light stuff, whether, you know, it's the furnace or, um, you know, some of those other ones. But usually for me, it ends up being the, the wick early season. And then we go to kiln, um, 
you know, after that, then I like to go with either a fleece or, uh, you know, whether it's the origin hoodie or like the Klamath over top of it. And then from there I go to the, the big coat, whether it's, you know, for me right now, it's a Chamberlain, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going into that and with those three layers, depending on how I mix and match them, I should be able to get through, you know, any situation, um, early season, all the way to late season. Um, I was able to test out First Light's new um, pattern this year, the Circa pattern, um, kind of built for new Western open environments. And I tell you what, at least on the Oregon elk hunt, it blended in great um, with some of that open yellow grass, uh, more open country, um, not real thick, dark timber, um, seemed to perform really, really well. As far as my harness, um, you know, another sister company, uh, I've worked with Paul well before we ever joined up at, at Meat Eater. Um, yeah, I'm using their front opening bino system um, on my right pocket. Since I'm right-handed, I've got my rangefinder pocket, and on my left wing, I've got an E3 pocket, and they I've got a little ver Velcro strap in there, and that allows me to hold my thumb release. So I've got my archery release on my left pocket, my rangefinder on my right, and then my binos um, straight down the middle. Um, optics I used, um, I use these on all my hunts. Um, a loophole 10 by 42 binos. Um, I. I used to use the BX5s. They've got some new uh, range-finding binoculars out now, the BX4 range-finding binoculars. I'm still using some old prototypes that I was given three years ago, um, testing out the glass, and I really, really like them. So that's what I'm still continuing to use. And then for a range-finder on the archery hunt, I ended up with the RX5 uh, full-draw range-finder. Um, I love that thing. It's quick. Um, it calculates my my true uh, horizontal distance, and I can trust that thing whether I'm shooting 100 yards, you know, on a 3D course, um, straight downhill. It always seems to give me the right uh, answer. So once we did find some success on the hunt, uh, my knife that I used was a Benchmade Hidden Canyon Hunter. Um, I like to have a big, heavy-duty blade that's that's sharp. Um, I, I get in there and, and try to do quick work. Um, I used, I love, you know, Havilons and stuff when you're, when you're caping or around the, the face or the heads or, but for skinning quickly, making sure you're not cutting through hide. Um, I'd much rather take my Benchmade Hidden Canyon knife or those type of knives, you know, those five inch type fixed blades that, um, you can rip, you know, rip and tear and kind of get through that animal really quickly, um, maintains a great edge and it's very, very easy to sharpen. I also carry in the same pocket, a work sharp, um, field sharpener just with the, um, you know, real easy to, to touch up that knife, um, and, and get things back to the way they were to start with. And we'll talk a little bit on the mule deer hunt when you're, when you're, um, having some success and you're, you're ending up on all of the, on all of the the processing, you know, we, we had to get through five, six, seven deer, um, with those and that work sharp field sharpener just works quick. Um, calls. I can't, I can't go through, through what we use without mention, mentioning calls. So we released that new unleashed 2.0 this year. And while a lot of guys like, it, I still just love the metal bugle tube. I love the ring. I love the resonance we get out of a, of an aluminum material. So I ended up sticking with our uh, metal bugle tube this year. I threw an easy sucker on for my external. I actually didn't pack a, a mini X. I don't believe if I did, I didn't use it a whole lot. And then for diaphragms, I ended up using a combination of the pink amp, which is my signature call, the green amp, and then also threw in a pitch black too occasionally, um, on that hunt. So, um, I don't pack a lot of calls, don't need to, but that was kind of what we had, um, Headlight, when things got dark, I was actually using a LED Lenser MH8 style headlamp. I like it because I can charge it if I get back to the truck after dark. Um, 
I can hook it up, hook it up to my USB charger, get it charged up for the rest of the day. And if I happen to be out too long or can't, or can't, um, you know, get it charged, I can take out the, the rechargeables and dump in normal AA batteries and we're right back to going. Um, it also comes with a case that acts as a battery pack. So when we're on, at least for the first couple days, you know, if we're not using our headlamps a lot, I can recharge that thing, you know, three or four times and without having to dip into to, to the lithiums and, and get that thing recharged. You know, game bags, everybody's, what game bags do you use? I'm like, I use an assorted grab bag over all these years. You know, I've got some Argali, I've got some tag bags, I've got some that Leupold sent me. Um, we've just got a big mix of game bags and after washing them and having 40 different bags kind of sitting in the shop, I'd usually just grab and they've all worked fairly well um, and, and uh, you know, don't have any complaints there. So, uh, you know, aside from that, um, that's really kind of the gear, the main gear that we used on on this, uh, you know, archery elk hunt. Now, Onyx was used. One thing I didn't mention, which, you know, we did use a lot of Onyx, um, you know, depending on whether we were next to property boundaries, needing to figure out where we're at, how to get access. Um, so a lot of uh, Onyx was used to, to make sure we're, we're staying um, in place. And, uh, yeah, it was that, that was the gear that I used on that. And a lot of this is going to carry over. So then my next hunt of the year, rolls into like a Washington rolls into my Washington muzzleloader hunt. Um, it's really similar temperature to that Oregon archery hunt. So a lot of the gear is going to stay the same, but one thing I do want to kind of highlight is the muzzleloader that I I've always used the tradition is uh, Northwest edition, you know, so we used to have some stricter rules on traditional muzzleloaders. Um, a couple of years ago, they, they changed those rules. And so this year I was able to use a Remington um, 700 ultimate muzzleloader. Um, if for those of you that haven't seen it, I think it's a shortened 308 case with a, a Magnum rifle primer um, as your ignition system. And then the gun, I need to be careful what I say. The gun doesn't say it's designed to use Blackhorn 209, but um, I move forward with Blackhorn 209, so I'm not endorsing it, not saying it's, it's okay for it. Um, I do have a new breech plug coming for it, which is um, set up for Blackhorn 209. But I used that original um, ignition system, initial, or that original breech shot Blackhorn 209. Um, ideally, you should be measuring your powder um, by weight on a scale. But I was uh, using 105 grains by volume, um, which I don't even want to get the math wrong. Ends up being somewhere between like 72 to 75 grains by weight, um, a fairly light load. But because I didn't have the breech correct, um, that stock Remington 700 um, Ultimate breech isn't designed for Blackhorn 209 and I didn't want to gas cut um, that breach. I kept it pretty dang light. Um, and then I, this year, elected to use Federal uh, Trophy Copper Borlock 270. Um, very easy to load. Um, very, very accurate out of my gun. Um, so with, with all of that being set up, um, worked very, very well. And I'm actually sitting here holding one of the, the mushroom bullets. Um, performance was amazing. Um, on both first bullet from long distance, you don't quite get the expansion. Um, that bullet passed through my follow-up shot from 60 yards mushroomed out perfectly and was lodged in the opposite shoulder. Um, that, that worked great. And, uh, you couldn't ask for better performance on the bullet. We did recover, uh, on this one, we, we a little bit different style. I haven't been able to get an elk out hole in a long, long time, but this elk happened to die, um, and some property that we had permission to get to. So, on this hunt, um, we used a retrieval vehicle, which was, we have a Can-Am, which actually my daughter's um, 
Can-Am Trail 1000. She likes to putt around the yard and, and go for little nature drives and whatnot. So we, we hooked that up. We're able to, to get to that bowl and, and ultimately get that bowl out whole, which is, is real nice. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to clean up when you get back to, to the – we have a meat shop with an 8x10 um, – you know, cooler and, and all of that. And so got it back to, to home and was able to, to break that thing down. And, uh, that the Can-Am came in real nice cause the, 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 the property owner didn't necessarily want us to take our truck out there, but didn't mind if we had a, a small little UTV. And so that, that worked out, um, you know, good, but yeah, everything else aside from that, um, was very similar, the same clothing, same boots, same, pack same everything aside from the weapon um that one was right in my backyard so you also switched up camp and you ended up uh you ended up just staying at home um and and it's kind of nice being able to to come home get a good night's rest and then you know get up an hour hour and a half before daylight and, and get going um next hunt on my my list was my Montana rifle deer hunt. This is kind of always one of those ones I look forward to every year. It's always a a great fun hunt with my family. And, uh, so this one on this one, we, uh, the weapon, uh, we ended up using the R brothers. It's a custom built rifle. Uh, used to be in Washington, then went to Utah. Now he's ultimately in Texas. Um, but we used an R brothers, um, custom built gun in seven short action ultra mag. So I had that gun kind of custom built for mountain hunts, you know, elk capable shoots really well. Um, defiance action, you know, uh, jewel trigger, uh, proof barrel. And then all three of us, uh, ended up shooting our deer with that same gun, all, uh, one shot, one kill, um, very, very minimal meat damage. And a lot of people are going to be surprised. A lot of people don't like the 180 burgers, but to this day with that gun, um, I've had very, very many or, or very, very few, uh, animals, um, make it more than 10 yards. Most of them die on impact. And, uh, if they don't, they, they, pile up pretty quick. Um, so very happy with how that performed. Um, my wife shot her deer at 518 yards, um, hit it perfectly right behind the high point on the shoulder. Didn't damage hardly any meat. My son shot his buck at 115 yards with it. And I shot mine at about 280, um, all one shot, one kill and, uh, placed very, very well. Uh, 180 burgers. We reload that gun with RL 26. One thing, uh, we actually we we reduce that load in the off season. RL twenty six is uh, an alliant powder, and it's very it's supposed to be temperature stable, but it's as crazy as it gets at times. It doesn't like to shoot in cold, doesn't like to shoot in hot. We've had pressure signs, but it does give you ultimate performance. But we were able to kind of curb those issues or, or kind of uh, make them less of an issue by um, reducing that seating the bullet a little bit farther, and and that gun just shoots lights out. Um, so. Yeah, we reload that one, uh, top that gun off. That gun has my maybe my favorite uh, scope of all time. It's the Leupold Mark V, 5 to 25 by 56, um, a 35 millimeter tube. That gun has tracked perfectly all the time. Um, it dials up where you want it. It drops back where you want it. It's uh, um, you know easy to get on target. It's got a great eye box, especially you know for me. It's maybe not as big an issue, but for my wife and son that are shooting the guns that also have the cheek piece set right where it's good for me, they can always acquire their target um, very quickly. And uh, been really happy with that scope. Um, n- number one, it's repeatable. Uh, number two, it's got some great glass in it and um, never never let me down. So I really like that setup. Um, that hunt. 
I don't know if anybody have been to Montana when it's uh, after a snow or a freeze. Um, that hunt on a few days pushed my raptor to everything that it had. Um, you know, all four, and, and we didn't try to tear it up. We were trying to sometimes just get turned around. Um, you know, four wheel drive, differentials locked, and you know, traction control off, advanced track off. Um, that thing with without a UTV or the ability like that got us into some areas. Um, you know, even even some of the county roads were a little bit sketchy, but um, that hunt ultimately dried out and, and it became real nice. But um, yeah, I that one we also used the, the loophole spotter. The and I'm going to get this wrong. The I I use all straight. I believe it's the SX four. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, SX four spotter um, from loophole uh, straight. Um, you know, it's great glass. Lets us sit behind it for a long time and uh you know, do all the spotting there um trying to think if there's any other gear on that hunt that we used a little bit differently it did start to get cold on that hunt so um you know you start to i'm i'm a big sis when it comes um you know to to gloves um and so i always end up i i don't know i believe there we weren't using the brooks down we were using the heavier um the alpine cold weather glove on this hunt um and then there's i think i had the alpine cold and then um my wife and son had the grizzly 2.0s um just we we added heavy gloves um we we were in our chamberlain a lot more on that and then this is where we start to switch to the the kiln series from the wick we start to um go to a heavier mid layer and then we start to throw that chamberlain on top um especially when you're doing long glassing sits without a lot of moving uh movement um really kind of seemed to be the answer um Trying to see anything else on that um, rifle hunt that we did a little bit different. Um, now I think that's about it as far as different gear. Um, you know, same thing. Boots. We were still rocking the crispy brick stalls. It wasn't that that 200 grams of insulation kind of kind of knocked that edge off um, when it starts to get cold. Um, everything else is is similar. Those hunts we we Airbnb it. Um, my wife and kid are along. I want it to be enjoyable for them. So. Um, and don't get me wrong, I like to to, to have a, a comfortable camp and be able to shower every morning. Um, so I, I kind of like like those ones. And then just we just finished up our Kansas archery hunt. Once again, our biggest change is the, is our weapons kind of going back, and then our clothing on this one. Um, so I went back to the Dart and Veracity thirty five. Um, same exact arrow setup. Uh, anybody that paid attention during whitetail week, I did a little blurb on, on the bow I've been using for whitetail and I just don't change my Western setup. It's, it's a monster out here. I don't need to shoot any faster. I don't switch my broadheads. Um, one thing I did run into a little bit of an issue when I went to shoot my buck, you know, you, you get in these blinds, whether it's a, a tree stand, you've kind of got all kinds of room. You're in a blind, you've got limitations. Um, you know, I'd always draw my bow. Sometimes my elbow would hit and one thing that happened right when I was going to shoot my buck this year is I've got that 10-inch um, spider stabilizer on it. Sometimes it's hard to draw your bow. You know, you got your arrow kind of hanging out the windows even to get your bow drawn just so things aren't in the way. And I didn't realize my 10-inch stabilizer was going to hit off of the windowsill, um, the inside. And so next year, uh, I may look at, before I go to whitetail hunt, um, coming up with a different stabilizer system, you know, that maybe has more weight, but on a shorter bar, um, something to that effect to, to prevent, um, 
know, any of that from happening. Um, I've never felt cold enough yet that I couldn't draw my bow back. You know, even when I do get chilly, I, I kind of practice, make sure I can get my bow back and I haven't had any issues yet. So knock on wood, um, that, that nothing will, will happen there. Um, so clothing, um, changes up a lot when I'm not Western hunting, when I can't get up and walk and, and go to, to, to warm myself up or, or, you know, create some of my own heat. Um, you're stuck in a tree stand. So, um, one thing that I did this, you know, last year, it was really, really cold, and I kind of barely just got by on my solitude setup. So this year, the solitude kit worked great, you know, um, in that 40s, I would say 40s, the 30s. Um, on that one, I would put my kiln hoodie on on the base layer. I would wear my source jacket over it, and then I would play with zipping or unzipping or walking to my stand without my solitude coat on, but then I'd have my solitude um, bibs on um, for the majority of the hunt. One thing I also change up on my whitetail hunts is my boot system. Um, those those crispy mountain boots, even at 200 grams insulation, just aren't going to cut it. So I've got some lacrosse. I can't even um, – I believe they're 1,600 um, grams of insulation. Um, and let me – I'm actually searching Google right here while I'm, I'm looking at it. I believe they're the Alpha Burley um, pros um, that are in – um, yeah, Alpha Burley Pro, sixteen hundred grams in uh, First Light uh, Cipher, I believe. So uh, wear those, and uh, I also just wear my Darn Tufts in those, um, and and they seem to be enough to get me through those thirty to forty degree days. Um, yeah, I mean we used we used quite a few Summit tree stands. We used a lot of Millennium tree stands. Um, you know, a lot of these are already set up on the hunt. Um, my buddy Randy that owns a property, he's also got some redneck blinds set up. Um, you know, we're using summit harnesses, safety harnesses, um, on those hunts. Um, we did add a Dave Smith decoy. Um, I don't know. It's one of the bucks. I don't know if it's like a, I don't know the exact name of it, but, uh, it, it worked on a couple sites. We've had some bucks come in bristled up, but there are times where, um, you know, maybe some smaller deer, or some does didn't necessarily like it when they kind of show up out of the blue. So uh, it, it worked on the bucks that it was meant to work on, but kind of, um, you know, was a little suspect to some of the deer that didn't want to see that buck that close to the stands. But uh, yeah, Dirk had some better success with it than I did and, and some bucks that really committed to that thing. Um, yeah, other than that, um, that's kind of the gear we used. We don't get too crazy, too fancy. Um, with our gear, it's kind of the same stuff year after year. There's not a lot of major changes that I want to make um, to my gear. I'm, I'm, I, I try to put more attention on the on the hunting better and different than I do into my gear. Um, so that's really what we've got. You know, the calls on that white to hunt. I guess we we need to talk about that a little bit. Um, I used the the beta as well, but we also tested some new calls. You know, we've got some new calls coming out for 24 um, with some pretty cool features. Um, you know, we also got to test our rattling bag, which seemed to at times have deer running by us. So the rattling bag worked really well. Um, but yeah, that, that was what we used in Kansas. That's kind of what we used for all of 23. Um, and if, if 24 season started tomorrow, I wouldn't hesitate to, to go right back out in the field with it. There was no gear that I used that I thought really, really failed me or that I wanted something better. So yeah, thanks for listening, cutting the distance. That was my gear for 23. Feel free to send us an email to ctd at phelpsgamecalls.com if there's any gear you, you want opinions on or would like us to test out or take a look at. Um, I'm always interested in what's new and what's out there, maybe something that we're overlooking. But uh, appreciate you all. Um, good luck if you have any fall hunts left and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.
Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 